On this episode, we're going to learn more about a May 2020 North American report looking at how COVID-19 is reshaping our emotions toward organizational brands. Emotional branding. It's the concept that an emotional bond must be developed between the consumer and the product or service for a brand to be successful. Mark Gobey is credited with terming the concept in 2001, but the idea and the practice goes back way further than that. Here's an example from 1949. Maxwell House Coffee presents Mama, starring Peggy Wood. I remember many nights like this, the family together in that little lighted room. The family together, after a family storm, and everything peaceful again. And while the young'uns enjoy popcorn, the grown-ups have a mighty good idea, too. A pot of good-to-the-last-drop Maxwell House coffee. <laughs> sort of relaxing, isn't it, to see Mama getting set to pour the family coffee? And, of course, the thing the family expects most when the cups are poured is flavor. My name is Doug Dales. My guest today is Nick Bond from Emotive Technologies. Hello, Nick. Hello there, Doug. Nick is joining us by phone as we are still practicing social distancing in the wake of COVID-19. Here's a bit about Nick. Fair to say Nick knows marketing. After achieving a Bachelor of Commerce with honors in marketing from the University of Calgary, Nick decided to focus his energies in the data and analytics side of the industry. Earning his stripes in market research with Ipsos, Nick moved over to FGL Sports, part of the Canadian Tire Group, to take a leadership role on the strategic marketing planning team on behalf of well-known brands such as SportCheck, Atmosphere, and sports experts in Quebec. Then he was lured to the agency world and began his foundational work on defining, measuring, and tracking audience engagement. Now an entrepreneur delivering marketing strategy and insights to businesses across industries for the past three years, Nick, along with a strong team of partners, became one of the founding partners of Emotive Technologies, an audience engagement firm helping brands stop looking so far inward when it comes to performance measurement and understanding the strengths of the relationships they're building with the people who really matter, customers, employees, other key stakeholders. Having developed a proprietary tool, the Brand Engagement Sentiment Tracker, or BEST, B-E-S-T, to help clients quantify and build audience engagement, Emotive is anything but typical, and we're excited that Nick is able to join us today. Now, Nick, you've just completed this North American study, both Canada and the United States involved in this study, on the attitudes of consumers in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. Tell us a little about how you did the survey first and who responded. That's right, Doug. Um, well, to be honest with you, the story of this particular study and, and the report that followed started back in January. We had our best product and really wanted to understand what engagement looks like across a number of industries, including hotels, retailers, banks, among others, to really understand what is driving engagement in those sectors and how key brands in each category contribute to industry engagement. We were still mining through all the data and findings when all of a sudden March 11th hit and the world was officially staring down the barrel of a global pandemic. 
I think that was the same day, if I'm not mistaken, that everybody's other dad, Tom Hanks, got sick and everybody was reeling trying to figure out what was going on. <laughs> um, you know, so it's in that context that we, we thought to ourselves, wow, we, we, we might have something to offer this conversation. We have all this great data about how people are engaging with uh, industries and categories and brands before the pandemic really struck and we were all sort of locked down. And we had an opportunity to say, okay, what does that look like now? What does it look like in the world where everything is kind of upside down on its head? So uh, we did a very similar study uh, again back in May, early May, uh, asking about some of the same categories. We talked to 1,200 people, uh, demographically diverse uh, across uh, Canada and the U.S. Again, we leaned into our best methodology to quantifiably understand how audience attitudes have shifted and what type of experience customers uh, and consumers are really looking for in this all new economic and social landscape. So that's oh. a bit of what we did. Okay. And so, so what did you hear from people? How were they feeling these days? I don't think we needed our research report to tell you that it's pretty rough out there right now, Doug. Um, people on both sides of the border are absolutely reeling. We, you know, we look at, you know, one of the first few questions we asked was, uh, around how people are feeling exactly. And it was these high, high levels of anxiety and frustration that are really coming through. And I guess at the heart of it is this idea that people are really feeling debased. Going into 2020, the world already had a lot more questions than answers, I think. It was uh, an election year starting in the, in the States. Uh, we had a lot of uh, geopolitical issues. We have uh, the social issues, household debt issues, and things that people are really trying to work through. In the middle of that, when we start the new year, and now all of a sudden there's this global pandemic that strikes, any sense of hopes for predictability or normalcy for this year were really just tossed out the window. You know, and, and so we looked at uh, different elements of our study, and we see that across almost all elements of our personal lives, our communities, our friends and families, personal finances, even our mental health, the majority of North Americans told us that COVID-19 has had a significantly negative impact on all of these elements. And another 44% said that they've suffered negative consequences in their jobs. This is really unprecedented. You think of any time since the Second World War, there has been no single thing that's happened globally uh, on our societies and on ourselves that has had such a profoundly negative impact across so many aspects of our day-to-day -day lives and generations. It's in this context that businesses need to relearn everything they thought they knew about their customers, how to operate and sustain some level of profitability. And this is the conversation, honestly, that we were looking to add some confidence to. Okay, that, that all makes sense about why people are feeling the way that they do. But why do we even care about how people are feeling when it comes to selling our stuff and our services? Don't people just use logic to make these purchases, you know, the, to buy the best product or service or the lowest price, whatever they're looking for? Hey, Maxwell House got it back in the 40s that we need to lean into emotions and what we found. And I think what a lot of marketers instinctively think about is that it, it remains true, this idea that emotions do matter. You know, at the end of the day, we are all animals and we act largely on instinct. And while we do have, of course, the ability to be rational and use that big frontal lobe, um, most often that brain function is used to rationalize decisions we've already made. Uh, those decisions were made uh, previously, subconsciously, emotionally, uh, before we even had a chance to really think too hard about it. There's some pretty good research out there that actually says that 95% of all of our everyday purchase decisions are actually made subconsciously through, through emotions. 
So then our job is not to understand the purchase behavior or how much money people are spending in certain categories at a certain point in time, but to understand more importantly, the attitudes that drive it. If we can do that, we can help companies have a much more meaningful level of interaction with their audiences, interactions that their audiences and consumers actually want to have and develop that into much more predictable and longer lasting behaviors over time. And in your survey, you asked people what they see as being the role of companies. We've seen uh, revised advertising for months now saying things like, we're here for you. What do people in your survey say they interpret that to mean? That's a great question. Uh, we've been thinking a lot about that one. And I believe the sentiment of we're here for you, we're in this together, it's going to be okay. All those things were... and really likely still are really sincere. But to be honest, it's not really the conversation people want to be having with the companies they engage with today. I think at the beginning of this thing, if we talk about mid-March, maybe through early April, people may have indeed been looking for just that kind of emotional hug from the brands they deal with. But now we're talking about a group of people that are a lot more ready to get back out there and take back some semblance of their lives and they're looking for brands to take a leadership role in helping define what that journey looks like. How does it look like to get out of my house and have a good experience again in a way that's still responsible and still safe, but might let me enjoy myself a little bit? Fully 69% said they believe leadership from brands is going to be critically important in the months ahead. Companies and brands not only have this monumental task, of keeping their own ships afloat in this honestly nearly impossible economy. But we're finding they also have the weight of this vast consumer expectation to provide leadership and hope through this difficult moment in time. Brand leaders today are going to be tested a lot more than they have uh, ever before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So tapping into emotions, a short form to remember that idea is make them cry, then make them buy. Or, or you could... <laughs> You can make them laugh, right? And that's what Old Spice did with the campaign, The Man Your Man Could Smell Like, created by Whedon and Kennedy, featuring Isaiah Mustafa. Hello, ladies. Look at your man. Now back to me. Now back at your man. Now back to me. Sadly, he isn't me. But if he stopped using ladies' scented body wash and switched to Old Spice, he could smell like he's me. Look down. Back up. Where are you? You're on a boat with the man your man could smell like. What's in your hand? Back at me. I have it. It's an oyster with two tickets to that thing you love. Look again. The tickets are now diamonds. Anything is possible when your man smells like Old Spice and not a lady. I'm on a horse. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Doug. That one is honestly, it's a classic. And uh, I'm glad you brought it up. One of the key elements we found that people are looking for, and I'm talking across borders, across genders, across industries and categories and brands. Consumers are looking for a reason to smile again. This idea of joyfulness has really exploded versus what we saw in our January study. It's a critical element driving audience engagement. The opportunity for brands out there right now is that no one is really feeling like they're getting that from any uh, companies they're dealing with. You know, we're here for you. You know, uh, uh, we're in this together. Those are great sentiments and they describe a great deal of empathy which is also important, don't get me wrong, but few brands are meaningfully breaking through and giving people what they really seem to be needing most. And that's a reason to smile. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong, you know, bringing joy to people isn't just about cracking a joke or goofing off. 
it can honestly be just as much about lending an ear or sharing an anecdote or just providing a small and delightful experience. I think, you know, the hospitality, the tourism industry has really understood this for a long time. They, they get that people look for these little moments of delight. But it's the extent to which people are seeking this concept of joy from other industries. We see this in financial services and quick service restaurants that really says it's a nearly ubiquitous human need that today is being severely underserved. So, I mean, you know, brands that can find a way to responsibly deliver just a little bit of levity in an increasingly frustrated populace are likely to differentiate and hopefully, probably come out ahead. Well, and if you need another example of how emotional advertising or branding has influenced, you are probably listening to this podcast on an Apple product right now. Steve Jobs understood computers and emotional branding appeal to the highest degree. Nick, does emotional appeal work differently or to different degrees across genders? Well, interestingly, Doug, no, not really. Across all genders, emotional appeals are equally critical in driving engagement. I know there might have been there might be hypotheses out there that are different, but at the end of the day, you know, all genders reveal themselves as being emotionally engaged and and want to engage with brands in an emotional way. It's the details where things differ a little bit, though. Uh, so self-described males, for example, are seeking a world of ease and familiarity. They want brands they can relate to and are honestly uncomplicated to deal with. That's what wins today. Those describing themselves as females, by contrast, they want to build a connection with a brand, but they demand a high level of follow through. So it's about personal relevance and a high level of trustworthiness in the brands that they choose to engage with. But I would never say, hey, let's do an emotional appeal here and that kind of emotional appeal over there. And, uh, you know, as a brand, have a different conversation with different groups of people. At the end of the day, it's about being authentic, being sincere and knowing that, you know, a, a strong and sincere emotional appeal to all audiences will have an equally positive impact uh, in the end. And your work with emotive technologies goes deeper than surveys. If a listener downloads your report, they just need to email you and you can work it out with them on how to get them a copy. You'll see a breakdown for best emotional appeal right now in five sectors, as you've mentioned, banking, quick service dining, hotels, mobile providers, and retailers. So if you're a leader or you work in any of those industries, this survey is a pretty good one for you to have. Tell me about the brand engagement sentiment tracking or BEST that Emotive Technologies does. BEST is our proprietary tool that we use to flesh out the insights for this report. It gave us the sense of how are people quantitatively engaging and for what reasons with all the different categories. With BEST, uh, we've developed a tool that can quantitatively define what engagement looks like for brands and their audiences identify ways to build that engagement and track the success of engagement building measures over time. We've since developed it into an online tool that business leaders can log into anytime to get an immediate sense of where they're at and where they need to go. It's kind of cool because not only does it identify how a brand is performing on key engagement metrics, but it also showcases how audience attitudes and expectations are evolving over time. If COVID-19 has taught us anything, is that consumer attitudes can shift very, very quickly. And it's only by staying on top of it that brand leaders can confidently navigate 
what seems to be an endless array of challenges facing them on a daily basis. If we can give some level of confidence or predictability to the day-to-day -day decisions that brand leaders are trying to make, then that's, that's, that's a great contribution. We're, we're hoping to be able to make it. I'm thinking of the Wayne Gretzky quote, skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it is. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> Nick, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Doug. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Nick Bond, or you'd like a copy of the Brand Pulse Report, you can email Nick at nick at emotiveinc.com. If you liked what you heard in this episode, we're hoping you choose to follow and rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever directory you're listening on. Also, would you do us a favor and recommend this podcast to one friend? And if you have an idea for an episode or you just want to tell us something, send us a note at info at jgrcommunications.com. Thanks for listening.